0: You're listening to the Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics. Hello and welcome to Domecast, the political podcast uh, focusing on North Carolina politics. I'm Jordan Schrader, hosting this week, and with me are Carly Bersow, Will Doran, Rashawn Aish, Andy Spey, and with us on the phone from Washington, D.C., Brian Murphy, <laughs> This week, everything else in North Carolina politics is overshadowed by uh, the controversy in the ninth congressional district. Uh, We thought that the race was over between Mark Harris and Dan McCready uh, uh, after election night, Uh, but the uh, State Board of Elections has refused to certify the race. Uh, So Brian Murphy, uh, why is this uh, still going?
1: Well, the big issue right now appears to be absentee, uh, mail-in absentee ballots out of Bladen County and Robeson County. Uh, Like you said, after election night, we thought the race was over. Uh, Mark Harris, a Republican uh, who had beaten the incumbent, Robert Pittenger, in the primary, defeated Dan McCready by about 905 votes. McCready conceded. He decided not to even call for a recount. But when the state board declined to certify the election not once but twice at this point, Um, everybody started looking at some voting irregularities in Bladen County and what we found were some discrepancies in mail-in absentee ballots Um, it was particularly pronounced in the primary where Harris got 437 mail-in absentee ballots mail-in absentee votes from Bladen County and Robert Pittenger um, only got 17 now this was a hotly contested primary uh, settled by less than a thousand votes so Um, uh, and and apparently in our reporting has has bared this out uh issues in bladen county and and some of the neighboring counties have been going on for quite a while this is at least the fifth investigation into bladen county since 2010 um several investigations from 2016 are still open um, to the best of our reporting and so that's where we stand now uh mccready has unconceded uh, not that that has any political ramifications but it's interesting from a public relations perspective um, the state board is investigating um, we know that uh, the u.s district attorney's office may be involved that that mark harris's campaign has been subpoenaed and that red dome uh, group a consulting firm a political consulting firm has been subpoenaed we know that uh, the sheriff in in bladen county uh, jim mcvicker his campaign has been subpoenaed and uh, we know that investigators are on the ground in bladen county from from the state board of Educa- uh, state board of elections um, and and we know that there's going to be hearing at some point to display some of this evidence, some of which has been made public, but not all of it. And and that's where we stand uh, at this point point in this fast developing story. So
0: one person who seems to link a lot of these different things uh, is a man named Leslie McCray Dallas. Uh, and he is a Bladen County resident, a Bladenboro resident. Uh, and he seems to be involved in the absentee ballot operation Uh, He was a consultant to uh, Mark Harris's campaign uh, through a consulting firm called Red Dome Group. Uh, What else do we know about McRae Dallas, Brian?
1: He's an elected official in Bladen County. He's on the Water and Soil uh, Conservation Board. Uh, He's the vice chairman. Um, We also know that he's a convicted felon. Uh, He was uh, convicted in 1992. In a of fraud, a felony fraud, he's also been convicted of um, perjury, felony perjury. Um, the fraud case, apparently, um, according to reporting at the time, uh, involves uh, filling out an, a life insurance policy for an employee of his that had been that was already dead, and him creating a life insurance policy um, at that point and, and trying to collect on it um dallas we also know has has a lot of connections in bladen county um many relatives there um he's worked for lots of campaigns down there including judges and sheriffs and uh holds a political appreciation dinner down there so um dallas is very connected he's refused to talk to the media hasn't said one single word um since the scandal broke Um, but we do know that he's very good at getting absentee ballots uh for his candidate um In 2016, his candidate in the U.S. House race down there got 221 mail-in absentee ballots, while Mark Harris only got four, and Robert Pittenger got one. Um, Todd Johnson, who's now a state senator in North Carolina, elected in 2018, uh, lost that race, finished third in the three-way primary, um, but did extraordinarily well in Bladen County. And if you go back and look at the candidates that this uh, McCray Dallas has worked for, they all seem to do very well in mail-in absentee ballots. Um, Us and others have talked to people on the ground there who say they worked for Dallas, that they collected absentee ballots, uh, which is illegal. It is illegal for anyone to collect your absentee ballot except a near relative or you you yourself to mail it in. Um, But people working for Dallas apparently went around, collected uh, mail-in absentee ballots, some of them unsigned, some of them unsealed. We don't know what happened to them. There's a big discrepancy in the number of absentee ballots that were mailed out and the number that were returned. Um, So all of this, he's very much at the center of all this. And, and, And as you move up the chain, you know, what did Red Dome Group know? What did Mark Harris know? And where is this all going to end? Uh, you know many are calling for a new election, including people in Congress who would have the ultimate authority to seat or not seat Mark Harris. members of the u s House, which will be controlled by Democrats on January third, do have the ultimate authority as to whether or not to seat um, a member of Congress and so uh, we have a long way to go, but but that 's kind of where we are
0: and We learned that uh, uh, Mark Harris has paid a lot of money to this consulting firm called Red Dome Group that hired. McRae dallas uh, In fact, uh, Brian, you just had a uh, a story that he uh, still owes them money specifically for Bladen County absentee balloting. Um, but Andy, you looked a little into who is uh, the, who are the people behind Red Dome Group. What did you find out? Red Dome was started by a man named Andy
2: Yates and he's, uh, he's a younger guy, but uh, he's been in the consulting game for uh, several years. Red Dome was founded in uh, 2013, and has is sort of an emerging group. They haven't worked on too many large scale campaigns. They've helped Mark Meadows in the past, um, the leader of the Freedom Caucus in Congress. Um, but Harris stood to be their biggest win thus far. They had a a decent reputation. You know, uh, Eli Portillo and Charlotte and I called around to some of their old clients. Uh, many of them state legislators, like uh Jason Sane and people like that and um you know they, they were seen as these up and comers who you know take on local races and put people on the ground and uh help people out they're they're mostly known for uh their mailers and um having some social media expertise and things like that uh but no one we spoke with suspected any sort of shady dealings. No one had ever been uh, – no one that we spoke with said that they had ever heard anything like, oh, stay away from Red Dome or, you know, use someone else. They were seen as upstanding, and the uh, state Republican Party uh, even paid them to do mailing, uh, mail work and uh, social media work for some of its uh, the state legislators that were running here. In fact – the state uh, Republican Party paid Red Dome $17,000 in uh, October. Uh, we don't know exactly what that was for, but Dallas Woodhouse told us, I believe it was Wednesday, that that was for mailers, too. It was not to go toward uh, Mark Harris or any sort of federal races. Um, they We don't know what they knew. Uh, they've, uh, I think, as Brian mentioned, Red Dome has been uh, subpoenaed. Uh, Yates won't talk to us, um, but there's a woman named Carolyn Justice. She is the lead consultant for the group, and uh, the only thing she's told us is that she did not work on the Harris campaign and has no knowledge of how doubtless uh, the man at the center of this controversy was, uh, was paid or how they uh, came to work with him and uh, what was going on there. So she knows nothing. Yates is saying nothing, um, and it remains to be seen sort of where Red Dome goes from here.
0: And as uh, as Brian mentioned, uh, uh, Dallas is also saying nothing, um, but uh, um, Carly and Will, you were both down in this area uh, this week. Um, uh, Carly, were, you were in Bladen County, and Will, you were in Robison County. Um, so what were you able to find out uh, from the people who were talking?
3: So I started by walking around a um, apartment complex in Bladenboro where there had been a very large number of absentee ballot requests and absentee ballots accepted in the primary. Um, and one of the things that had caught my attention about that was some, in some cases, I knew these apartments were quite small. In at least one case, there were 11 absentee ballots associated with one apartment. So when I started walking around there, I was surprised, um, that people, the, actually the first woman I spoke to, she knew, she knew McCray Ballas, um, and so that, that kind of shocked me. She knew that the people she gave her ballot to worked for him, and she knew that he had a criminal record, and she knew that that criminal record involved fraud, um, and she had actually quite a long history with him, so, so it was surprised me to find out right off the back that this was pretty widespread, the knowledge that he was doing this. Uh, People knew the names of um, fellow fellow residents in the apartment complex who were working for him. They knew that um, they supported Mark Harris. People who were wearing Mark Harris t-shirts were walking around the apartment complex. There were women driving an SUV. There was somebody going around in a golf cart, multiple people mentioned. I don't know really more about that. But um, but it was pretty common knowledge that this apartment was being worked very hard um, in terms of absentee ballots.
0: And that's what struck me about this the whole time that reporters have been teaming in, uh, in Bladen County is that a lot of people are willing to talk. And uh, one reason for that may be because this was not a secret that this kind of activity was going on down there. It, it was not something new and it was not something that was hidden it was just kind of taking place out in the open both sort of uh seems it seems uh legal and and quasi-legal and maybe illegal um, activities surrounding absentee ballots um, yeah and i talked to
4: people in uh, neighboring Robinson county um, which uh, th- they said that while there has been a long history of corruption and suspected election fraud there, they haven't really heard of this same sort of absentee ballot scheme in the past. Um, I talked to one local politician who's been involved in uh, two different elections in the last couple of years, uh, 2013 and 2015, where uh, he ended up winning the initial election, then those results were thrown out due to suspicions of fraud or irregularities and then ended up losing the do-over election. He, you know, uh, said that he personally had never done anything wrong. He believes his opponents had been doing things wrong. Uh, You know, there's a lot in this area. It's a very small rural community, both Robeson and Bladen counties, um, that, you know, just there seems to be frequent election, I think it's probably safe to say irregularities. There have been a lot of investigations. No one's really ever gone to jail over any of this stuff um, but it's caused numerous elections to have to be cancelled and redone in, in both areas and part of the reason is you it's a lot of the times for small local races, you know, city council in a town with, you know, 5,000 people living in it, you're only going to get a few hundred people voting, so if you can, you know get even just a dozen people you know flipping to your side, you know a lot of times these races are won by six, seven votes, so um you what we've seen historically is you know allegations being raised about these local races the city council the county commissioners maybe the sheriffs things like that but not anything on the scale of a US congressional election that is it, it's the first time for us here
0: right and usually local races and the one time that this did come to public attention was during uh the governor's race and it was only sort of uh it was, it was kind of adjacent to the governor's race. Uh, in 2016, when um, Pat McCrory lost to Roy Cooper and was searching for places around the state uh, to identify as uh, having irregularities, uh, they landed on on Bladen County as one of those. And in fact, McRae um, Dallas was uh, the man at the center of this, although he was on the accusing side instead of um, the accused side that's there. correct yeah in 2016 he brought this complaint to the state board of elections
4: um and he he said that he was uh he was approached by the local rep- republican party uh, uh chairman to see if he wanted to file a complaint he had been involved uh, uh in the race you know, like we said he's an elected official he's on the soil and water board uh which is an elected position here in north carolina and uh he said yes he'd be willing to uh file this complaint. He was then approached by some lawyers from the McCrory Campaign Committee, um, who helped him kind of fill out the details and everything like that, and took it to the state board, which at the time was uh, controlled by a majority of Republicans who had been appointed to the board by McCrory when he was governor. Um, But they ended up uh, dismissing his complaint, although they did vote to send Everything that they had collected in the investigation onto the U.S. Attorney's Office for Eastern North Carolina, and uh, we reported, I believe, on Monday that there is still, you know, th- this ongoing criminal investigation uh, into those 2016 allegations. You know, we haven't heard anything yet, uh, but uh, it's it's something that's still happening. So we'll see if anything's come comes from those 2016 allegations, and
0: obviously. 2018. Rashawn, you've been over at the legislative building during all this. What's been the reaction uh, down there, um, first of all from Democrats, and then uh, I wonder about Republicans?
5: Well, the Democrats right now, they're mainly focused, or they were mainly focused on trying to table the voter ID bill. They were kind of like, hey, let's calm down. We're rushing this. Um, and they obviously want another election. That's what they've been saying, kind of, you know, there's clearly something fishy going on. Let's not rush the certification, which is what the Republicans want. Just go ahead and certify this race and then do the investigation. So the Democrats are kind of, you know, jeering for an election. That I think would have to start from scratch.
0: Yeah. Well, some, uh, you maybe we can address that. Yeah. So first.
4: yeah, I think that's that's a big question that we're facing. If there is a do-over election, do we just redo the general election between Harris and McCready? Do we redo the primaries for both parties? Since, like we mentioned, there were some potential Bladen County regularities in the primary too. Uh, If the state were to order a redo election, they would only be able to redo the general election because we've already certified the results of the primary, even though we're just now discovering that maybe there was some shady things going on then too. However, the uh, United States House of Representatives also has the power to decline, to uh, seat a winner, to basically decline to recognize the outcome of the election and if, if they step in, they can order a uh, a primary over as well um and like rashan said uh in the meantime we've been passing this new uh voter id law and so if there is an election whether it's a primary whether it's a general uh we'll uh, likely be doing that with uh with voter id too and uh you know there will probably be some uh, some issues with that maybe some lawsuits that we'll see maybe just some confusion because it is brand new it was just passed this week, uh, you know, and obviously getting that all into place is going to be complicated.
0: It it is, and some of the uh, provisions in there that call for um, new kinds of IDs might not even be available uh, in time for uh, any potential redo. Um, Rashawn, how did the um, the ninth district scandal shape the debate around this voter ID bill that just uh, passed and is waiting for Governor Cooper's signature?
5: Well, the Democrats were actually the ones that wanted voter ID to become one of the requirements for voting via absentee ballot, which is something that the states with more stricter requirements actually have in place already. They say, obviously, we're having an issue with um, election fraud, and it's tied all to absentee ballots rather than um, just, you know, requiring voter ID for in-person or one-stop. It should also be required for absentee. Um, The main representative that was pushing this was Elmer Floyd. And he was told, actually, initially by David Lewis that, you know, it's not necessary. There's already a verification process that asks for absentee ballot voters' um, either license number or the last four digits of their Social Security number. And so actually some of the trends from other states or patterns that have had issues with absentee ballot fraud isn't the voters filling out the ballot, but it's actually people coming up and picking up the ballots. And, you know, either changing it or not delivering it and kind of tampering with it in some kind of way. So that's probably the bigger issue they need to be focused on rather than um, presenting a photo ID or mailing in a copy of your photo ID.
0: So that's how it could potentially work was you would you would photocopy your your license and Mm -hmm. attach it to either your request for a ballot or your actual ballot.
5: Well, they're not sure exactly how it would work out right now because as the language is in the bill, they would give kind of the jurisdiction to the State Board of Elections to decide how they would want to go about it, but it's something that they have to look into. So how they're going to go about it, they're not sure yet. Um, Right now, there's actually a federal law that applies to North Carolina where if you're a first-time voter voting in a federal election and you did not properly register, you have to send in a copy of your... Um, ID, and so people send that in when they are um, requesting the absentee ballot form. Their local board of elections will tell them, "Hey, we kind of need to verify you are who you say you are." So there already is a place in s- uh, system in place, just not sure if that's going to translate over into a larger statewide scale.
0: And what and Brian alluded to this a little bit, but what, how can you vote with a uh, uh, with help from somebody else with an absentee ballot? Um, so you can't. People can't just come and pick up your ballot. Um, but what is what is the legal process? What are you allowed to do?
5: So first, you have to, like I said earlier, request it. Fill out this form um, where you verify your information and in the district you live in. And then they, w- then your local board of elections will send you the actual ballot that you fill out. And when you're filling it out, you have to be in the presence of two other witnesses that can, you know, make sure you're not doing anything shady or that you are who you say you are or you have to fill it out in front of a notary and then in addition you have to sign an affidavit that's on the ballot which is legally binding and you can be charged if you lie on the affidavit.
0: Okay, all right. And it what it seems like uh, happened in, in Bladen County is uh, people actually uh, potentially helping people order their ballots which uh, is allowed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, people coming and uh, coming back to the House and picking up the ballots, which is not allowed.
5: And I think in some of the affidavits, when people were handing over their ballots, they hadn't signed or sealed it, which can allow for some tampering if you let someone you don't know pick up your ballot.
0: Sure. So s- hypothetically, somebody could uh, either fill in somebody's name uh, on your ballot uh, for a blank spot. Or they could see that you'd filled in the wrong guy and throw it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's a number of opportunities for fraud there.
4: That's one of the big questions in Robinson County, um, which, you know, across the whole district, which stretches over eight counties, we've had, I think there were 3,400 people who requested an absentee mail in ballot and never returned it. A full quarter of those were Democrats in Robinson County. Um, and while I was down there, I saw some documents showing that the the DCCC, which is the big Democratic uh, Congressional pack that helps out candidates like McCready, had a very strong ground game. There were, you know, in early October, uh, about a month before the election, they dropped off a couple boxes of 600 uh, people's requests for registering to vote or getting ballots. Um, and, you know, there were you know, stories of other, you know, big drops, maybe not 600, but 50 at a time, 60 at a time, 100 at a time, things like that. Um, And the question that uh, it appears state investigators might be looking into, they've been kind of, you know, tight-lipped so far on the exact scope of their investigation, but, you know, is what happened to those 822 Democratic ballots uh, from, from Robinson County? Was it just simple as the get out the vote effort fizzled and, you know, people just chose not to vote, uh, or was it something, you know, a little, uh, you know, potentially more illegal with people taking ballots away from people. So we'll see where that goes.
5: Yeah, but even that is illegal. The only people that are allowed to drop off your absentee ballot is either family members or your legal guardian, according to North Carolina state law.
0: Exactly. So what's been the Republican reaction to all this? Uh, Mark Harris has uh, declined comment for the most part, um, but what are other Republicans saying uh, about how we should think about this, and well, whether there should be a new election?
4: We mm-hmm. heard some uh, some state legislators on Thursday held a press conference uh, calling basically for the State Board of Elections, which is currently handling the investigation, to stop this investigation, and for uh, Governor Roy Cooper to create a new Uh, what they called a bipartisan task force to basically take over from the state. Uh, The Democratic Party was very unhappy with that suggestion. They called it an obstruction of justice. They said there's no reason to, you know, stop this investigation that's already started, create this whole new state board, hand it to them. Uh, Democrats were essentially accusing the Republicans of trying to kind of deflect the investigation, hold it up. Um, Republicans, however, say that uh, there's been some... uh, what they believe to be uh, too much partisanship on the State Board of Elections uh, that they think has kind of called its uh, its ability to handle this investigation into question. Um, The board is under the administration of Roy Cooper, who is a Democrat. Um, It does not have a majority of members of either party. It has four Democrats, four Republicans, and a ninth member who is an unaffiliated voter, Not. Member of either party, um, and the uh, the uh, executive director of the board is Kim Strack, who is a Republican, uh, who is appointed to that position by Republicans. Um, so Democrats have said, well, you know, it's already kind of bipartisan, if not, you know, you know, has a lot of Republican influence on it. Republicans obviously disagree, say that it should end. Uh, so that is going to be the the big fight, kind of procedurally going forward. In the meantime. The board was ruled to be unconstitutional uh, just before the election, and so they're going to have to get rid of the board at some point, reconstitute it in a way that does comply with state laws. This board was created by Republicans around a year ago, um, and it's kind of this long-running string of efforts by Republicans to lessen the governor's influence over the board, uh, which started after uh, Cooper defeated McCrory in 2016.
5: Yeah, the main points, though, that the Republicans were trying to drive home at the press conference was that it's not just them that should be, um, that people should be accusing of election fraud. They were pointing back to the 2016 election, and I think even way back to 2010, trying to say Democrats have potentially committed election fraud as well. I think they referenced the Blade and Improvement Association, which people, um, I'm not sure if someone else wants to expand on that about how they've also probably done some ballot pickups and tampering they sh- probably shouldn't have done either.
4: Yeah, that, the, that association, that's a Democratic-funded group down in Bladen County, home of uh, McRae Dallas and all of, you know, kind of the epicenter of all of these allegations. And it came up in those 2016 complaints that uh, Dallas uh, filed to the state board that eventually got uh, dismissed by the board. Um, but uh, Republicans appointed to that group a lot saying basically that they appear to have been doing the same thing that uh, Dallas appears to have been doing. And, uh, you know, like I said, the state board has not really told us a whole lot about what their investigation has entailed. Um, but, you know, you would have to
2: assume that they're looking into that group as well. And that's one thing that uh, you hear a lot from dallas woodhouse the executive director of the republican party who's yes we have
0: dallas and then we have dallas yeah uh, which is is, has been the source of a lot of confusion in talking about this story
2: i'll just refer to him as woodhouse uh woodhouse has been the main spokesman for the party um this these last couple weeks and he's criticized uh the elections board for not revealing more of its hand and explaining the evidence that it has which i guess shouldn't comes a surprise that they haven't revealed much because the investigation's ongoing. Nor should it be a surprise that Woodhouse is criticizing them because, well, that's what he does. Um, but he's the one that's been going on these uh, late night shows, MSNBC, CNN uh, and others uh, sort of <laughs> defending Harris. But he's sort of, he's softened his tone since last week. Last week uh, Woodhouse and other Republicans said, you know, certify now. There's not enough votes. They They were, you know, there's a Harris is up by 905 votes, and Woodhouse demanded to see how many ballots were in question, and if that math did not equal 905 votes, then dadgummit, he wanted the results certified. Uh, That's changed. This week he's saying, well, what we see coming out of media reports, you know, the News and Observer, the Charlotte Observer, the Washington Post, the New York Times, BuzzFeed, all these people down here on the ground, is disturbing, he said. He literally threw up, uh, he told CNN after watching it, um, but they're still sort of stick- sticking by Harris. Uh, he told us yesterday that uh, he believes Harris could be an innocent bystander who didn't know what was happening within his campaign, uh, that Red Dome or McRae Dowless uh, perhaps acted alone and he, you know, while Harris was off doing events and things like this. Uh, so that's where the Republican Party is at this point. I think their stance is fair to say it's, you know, we want things investigated, but Harris didn't know anything, and he should probably he should probably be certified, if I were to paraphrase their stance now.
4: Of course, we've reported previously that Harris did know McRae Dallas and was personally recommending his consulting election services to other Republican candidates in the area, like a Charlotte uh, City Council candidate. Uh, our colleague e- Eli Portillo has reported on that before. Um, of course, that doesn't necessarily mean that Harris knew what Dallas was doing, but he clearly thought that he was, you know, someone who was effective at his job and, uh, you know, told other Republicans to go hire him.
3: I we should also say that um, there, are, there is a third group that has been under investigation, and that group is called Patriots for Progress, i.e. PAC, Um, And that group has also been associated with um, Dallas. He um, sent a letter to the State Board of Elections in, um, I want to say, 2015 or 2016, um, signing it as the president of the group. He was sending in a financial disclosure. And then there was a letter, a subsequent letter, in which he was described as having left the group. That group was founded by Jeff Smith, who's another character in this whole story he um jeff smith runs a uh, or ran a gaming parlor in dublin in bladen county and was a good friend of dallas's and had um, a fair amount of political influence there as well so the two of them um, it seems were were involved in that progress um, patriots for progress group so in a letter that the Um, district attorney who represents Bladen County sent to the um, interim assistant director of the SBI special investigations unit Um, John David the DA um, described there being three investigations associated with the 2016 election in Bladen County those were into Patriots for Progress the Bladen County Improvement Association PAC and then um, voter fraud allegations and possible false statements to affect election outcomes, allegedly perpetrated by McCray Dallas. And the DA himself said he had like a personal experience with McCray, which caused a conflict of interest, which led him to to send the case to the Wake County District Attorney, Lauren Freeman. Um, He said that McCray, um, McCray Dallas had worked for his opponent in 2010 when he was running again against Harold Butch Pope, And he was also aware of work by the Bladen County Improvement District in a 2006 race, also on the other side. So he felt like he he couldn't take this case forward or these cases forward.
0: A lot of players to keep track of. And I'm sure by the time we record again, um, there'll be a lot more to report. Uh, I think that's it for now. So let's take a break and come back with Headliner of the Week. Stay with us. Headliner of the week. 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 week. Who's hot? And we're back. It's time for Headliner of the Week, Uh, everyone's favorite segment where we decide the most important, influential, interesting person in this week's news. Uh, It's hard to imagine it's going to be anybody other than the person we've been talking a lot about all this whole time. Uh, but uh, Carly Brissot, who's your headliner? And will you all have the same one?
3: <laughs> well, I feel like I'm in the lucky position of going first, because I was going to choose McRae Dallas, because how could it be anybody else? Um, I think what makes him so interesting is that he he has this elevated position in, in this community, which also has knowledge of of past fraud that he has committed, and um that that also is sort of accepted um so i think it's more complicated than that but i did think it was quite interesting
0: all right. Will Doran, uh, you have the hardest job now is to think of somebody else, uh, or, or I guess you could <laughs> double down on that one, but uh, then I don't know how I would pick a winner. So,
4: No, uh, I'm going to give a, uh, a shout-out to one of our uh, media colleagues here in the state, Joe Bruno from WSOC. It's a TV station in Charlotte. He has been all over this story from the start, um, and it's really just, I think, uh, this whole saga has shown uh, you know, the importance of local media on a story that can go national like this. I mean obviously the Washington Post is down here, you know, places like BuzzFeed are down here, CNN reporters are down here. Um and, you know, we've all started, you know, getting, you know, followed and retweeted by all of these, you know, famous national people. Um but, you know, the people who were on the ground first were, you know, people from the News and Observer, people from the Charlotte Observer, people like Joe Bruno. So, uh, you know, a little shout out to the uh the local journalism people who uh, you know sometimes get overlooked in national politics but i don't think uh, this is the case
0: i like it and uh, joe was getting uh, some of the first interviews with people who were ad- acknowledging that they had uh, picked up these ballots Uh Rashaun aish who's your headliner of the week
5: um, i'm gonna have to go with representative michael speciale for purchasing a wake tech student ID card and showing it on the uh, <laughs> floor of the house to prove how easy it is to get a fake college ID and just gonna throw this out there I think if a college student has a fake ID it's going to be a driver's license and they're going to use it to buy alcohol and not <laughs> storm <That> polling <laughs> places <laughs> thank you
0: I, that's what I was that's what I was wondering about what is the advantage to having a wake tech Uh, fake does it get you into the football games and basketball games (laughs) (laughs)
5: Um, I'm not sure what the advantages or what you can get out of it I don't think you can even park on campus by just having a Wake Tech student ID so What,
0: what was his larger point in all this
5: that it's very easy to get a fake student ID you can simply order it online um, and that's why the nor- voter ID bill shouldn't require student ID as being an acceptable form of ID, which, you know, he had Representative Blust to back him up, saying, yeah, you know, you might have out-of-state students or someone just getting a fake ID to go vote.
0: And I guess the point is that you, if you, if if you did want to commit fraud, it would be easier to fake one of these than a driver's license that has all the... Uh, special markings and watermarks well, and things like that on it. Yeah.
5: Not speaking from personal experience, <laughs> it's still pretty easy to get a fake driver's <laughs> license, but I think they're missing the point of you have to still register. And so if when you register with a fake ID and they can't verify it, you probably won't be a verified registered voter, regar- voter regardless of what type of ID you have.
0: All right, Michael Speciali in the hat as well. I like it. It's out of left field. Um, Annie Spay. And I should say we've also uh, we've Brian Murphy had to duck out to go to another interview. Uh, Andy Spay, who's your headliner of the week? How am I supposed to follow these? Uh, I'm I'm gonna
2: do what Will did and um, give praise to uh, a colleague of ours here at the News and Observer, Travis Long, one of our expert and photographers, along with uh, Julia Wall, also uh, amazing. Uh, And I want to highlight their work, which was to get. A really good portrait of McCrae Dallas, the man at the center of this um, absentee ballot scandal uh, they, M- Dallas no one had been able to talk to him, and uh, they wanted a photo because we i don 't know what we had been running at that point, uh, but they were turned away and then Travis long told uh, explained on Twitter how he got uh, this wonderful portrait, which they did in uh, afternoon lighting and it uh, captures him perfectly he said uh, Julia and I put it to Mr. Dallas like this we have a photo of you peeking out of your front door we can make a portrait of you in the evening light either way it's going to run in the paper and then he says Dallas you know I, I assume I can imagine him standing there on his step thinking you know oh, do I want to look sketchy peeking out of my window out of my front door you know trying to hide from the world or do I want to show my face and uh just let people see who I am and uh they said he was cordial and quote gave us a moment of his time and so uh that's how we got our main portrait that's showing up in so many stories now and uh I think our photographers and videographers uh deserve more recognition um for doing the amazing work they always do and so this was great good for them
0: all right, yes, so nice work um, by Travis and Julia down there uh, and uh, we uh, we really appreciate it because a very f- a lot fewer people are going to read our our stories uh, without uh, good visuals and we've had a lot of uh, a lot of good videos and photos to go with these uh, very tempting to pick. Uh, our fellow uh, colleagues and uh, co-workers Uh, i will go with McRae dallas though because how could you not Uh, as we said and uh, uh, a hat tip to uh, travis and julia again for uh, getting his pictures so we can uh, share it with everybody Uh, that's it for headliner this week Uh, for brian murphy carly brousseau will doran Rashawn aish and andy spay i'm jordan schrader catch us next week thanks a lot